It's time to go full speed ahead with Michael Kelly. Each week, we take you inside all the big sports stories at USF from the perspective of the man who oversees the program, Vice President of Athletics, Michael Kelly. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Well, gee, what are we going to talk about on this show? There's some football-related topics that we'll probably be getting to and an immense mailbag uh, filled with questions to send, not from me, but from you to Michael Kelly. And, of course, we're talking about, and the idea was normally we put the show out early on Tuesday mornings around 7 o'clock so that people can tune in to Bulls Unlimited if they want to get up early and listen. And I looked at the calendar, Michael, and I said, well, we probably might want to wait a little bit and let's let Tuesday morning unfold. That was smart. That was a good. <laughs> that was good by our broadcasting director. So. Thank you very much. And as I'm looking down at what you've got in front of you, it's no joke. He actually has renderings in front of him, which were revealed to everybody. When you were speaking at the board of trustees meeting, did you even kind of have a sense in the back of your mind? There's got to be a lot of people watching because I'm sure there were. Oh, I did know. We anticipated that for sure. There'd been a lot of great patience and anticipation for for some renderings and as i've explained many times there wasn't anybody holding back we just knew strategically we had things to to figure out and see what we could do and ultimately this board meeting provided the right type of a form to be able to do exactly what we did but between last week being able to uh, you know when we had some some passionate bulls fans go up to uh, college game day and had the bull you flying and some <laughs> support for byron brown being the heisman candidate and some support for looking at the renderings it was fun and i was able to tweet out about those three guys being up there and then and then people questioned coach uh chairman weatherford and then he said just stay tuned on tuesday so yeah. uh, we knew it was coming people watched and i'll be curious it probably was the most watched uh, board of trustee meeting in usf history i mean i watch it all the time <laughs> every single one um i it, it is funny because we did on this very podcast october the 31st you said wait until the meeting and something will be public and obviously it is and we'll get there obviously we're going to talk about the bowl game as well very important cool stuff that's going on with volleyball but we are going to begin with details that we can now discuss and i think i now realize why people have been knocking down the door to get the renderings so that they can unload a, a, li a list of questions which we'll get to right. but uh, let's go let's start with the basics and and first of all um, the stadium itself uh, and Obviously, things can change, but some of the things that jump out at you, I thought the, the east-west facing direction was very interesting. Uh, the fact, of course, that we'll get to it's going to open in 2027. Some thought maybe 2026, but let's start with the actual stadium itself and uh, physically how it looks. Yeah, I was pleased that we were able to get a lot of things done through our preliminary design and, and our uh, you know design phase to be able to kind of really figure out, think through even to the future, some logistics that might go into this. So that's why the rendering re re revealed today started with a site plan that was updated. And mm -hmm. to your good point, we talked about mostly the orientation of going east to west, which I think was a probably a surprise to most. And we'd really thought about it a lot. We want to make the stadium as comfortable as we possibly can for certainly for our players and certainly for our, for our fans. And, and as we deal with the budget we've got, we had a lot of people talk about the, the need for for shade and we agree mm -hmm. and um, what we what we talked about is by we learned through our studies the sun studies that if we at least moved it east west and by the height of things that we're building here it will provide great shade opportunity for all if not a majority of our uh, our, our stand our home stands uh, in terms of uh, uh, certainly for those noon games and, and the early games so that was a good step in that direction we have built a, a full 
uh, kind of 360 concourse that uh, allows you to be able to see the field from the actual concourse, which also provides some shade uh, opportunities. The, 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 the student section has a standing room only section that has the ability to see in the in the shade. So it's it, we don't have the good fortune of having you know full blown roofs like sure. at Hard Rock Stadium. That's just not affordable for us right now. And but as I mentioned, we are building this uh, you know building it with the uh, with with a um, you know precast concrete, which allows. Uh, you know, not only for a quieter state, even a more stable st- st- stadium that we wanted right. to build the, the stands in, but also to be able to, uh, you know, eventually be able to add an, an additional seating, 10 to 12,000. We know we could fit in there if we need okay. to. And, you know, the potential of, of other shade structures later down the line. But uh, we took it into consideration. We've done the best we can at this early stage, and now we'll, we'll see what else we can learn as we continue to raise money and as we as we continue to deeper into the design phase. And, and of course, me, I'm Mr. Every Single Sport, and I'm looking around at like you said, where it's situated, that's about where originally it was planned to be. Uh, and I'm looking, oh, there's 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 tennis, there's track and field, the Yingling Center in the background, uh, the Corbett Soccer Stadium, the IPF. And that takes me to my point of this, and I know you've talked about it on this podcast before, this district, this athletics district really starting to take shape when you see these renderings. Yeah, it's phenomenal when you take this view that we offered from the northeast high sky, kind of the blimp view, you know, before the, before the game. It just kind of shows just the, what I keep stressing, this, it's a really fine athletic district, one that's really elite as it relates to its efficiency. So I keep thinking about future Bulls, just the efficient operation they get to have to get all their academic service, all their medical service, all their mental health services, all their physical training, and their and their competition site all being right there and <laughs> within a couple hundred yards of each other. And quite frankly, there's just not many people that can offer that. So I was thrilled with it, and it's it, it, again it keeps back to the theme that this is by USF for USF and it's unique and it's different and it's about us and that's what's exciting about it. Uh, one of the other aspects that I think, and again, there's so many questions. Listen, everyone wants every question to answer today, and there's uh, three more seasons to go, not including the one that's currently not finished, uh, but the, the student section, it seems like uh, right now at Raymond James Stadium, it is on that one end, but this will be even more pronounced. Yeah, what I like about this, I mean, yeah, we put the state, we, we put the students in certain sections at Raymond James, but this is a, is a is an entire section that's being designed exclusively and, and strategically for them mm-hmm. based on the feedback they provided. So it's got lower level seats for those beef stud kind of guys. It's got standing room kind of areas that people kind of walk in out in the stadium in and of itself, which is awesome. And then there's, you know, a, a variety of standing and seating options throughout the rest of the thing, an area for the DJ to kind of have his or her place to kind of get the crowd going. So that's going to be their place, right? It's just a place that, uh, and it has kind of a unique design feature with the bullhorns at the top that will still continue to refine as we move forward. But when you're standing at midfield or going in for a opposing team trying to go into a for a game-winning touchdown or something at the end, and you see this wall of bulls and actually a section that's almost built like a bull it is really, really cool. It looks really <laughs> incredible. And it seems like a, a natural thing, the bull horns, but to see to actually see it, that's why we're so excited about it. It looks intimidating, and it's just a photo yeah, right now. I can really only cool. imagine what it's mm-hmm. going to be like. <laughs> now, part of the news today uh, that uh, we have spoken about in the past, the idea was 2026 or 2027. So explain in general why it's it's going to be yeah, the, the latter. Yeah, really just some supply chain issues in terms of knowing that we couldn't get all the things uh, – in and ready to do, or at least not in time. Even if we could have got it ready for physically built before the 26th season, it would have been so tight that when we really revi- really evaluate it, it's like, man, we got to make sure we 
we put a, our best foot forward as it relates to the operations and knowing how the building works. The last thing you want to do is make a bad first impression. So yeah. like Coach Wooden used to say, we're going to continue to be quick but not hurry. Let's do it right. Let's make sure we can train and, and get the facility thought through as best we possibly can. And so that's why, you know, the first games, if you will, will be in 27 in September. Hopefully we'll get it early in that late spring, early summer when we can at least start getting getting things worked out and make sure we can train properly for it and everything else. But as part of it, we also talked to, we, we unveiled some renderings of the TGH Center for Athletic Excellence, which will allow us to, uh, you know, be kind of the forever home of, of football and lacrosse. And, and we uh, see a pathway to move into that in August of 26, which is what Coach great. McCord and Coach, certainly Coach Golish have, have wanted to do. Uh, all along, so that that's great, and and I should, as I mentioned, I think in the, in some interviews, I mean the bottom line is, that's going to be great for football and lacrosse, and then we're going to be able to take the spaces that football and lacrosse vacate here in the Selman Center, and reimagine that to be able to Im- imp- improve the situation for all of our other sports. So it's a win-win all the way around to make this athletic district that much better. So if you're listening to us and you've got your renderings in hand, you still get. The privilege that I'm enjoying right here is actually sitting and looking because we're in your office, Michael. Right in front of me is the uh, Corbett Soccer Stadium, which is going to be beautiful and uh, a perfectly fine home for the beginning of lacrosse. But then the IPF. Oh, yeah, the IPF, almost like a side note. It's, <laughs> it's just so tremendous. Yeah, it's just that thing we've been trying to build for 20 years. It <laughs> yeah. cost us $22 million. But yeah. it's, just <laughs> all, it's all tremendous to speak about. Before we get into the questions, and don't worry, anything you're thinking is probably uh, on my list right here from uh, my followers on social media, I do want you to – give people the, the latest as far as the fundraising goes. I know there was a big particular donation that has led to a new uh, named part of the whole thing. Yeah, that was another big part of today is that uh, we were able to announce a $6 million gift from uh, USF Federal Credit Union, and they're going to name what we call the the Champions Way, which is basically going to be our pronounced uh, entryway and walkway into the stadium where the, basically the stampede will take place and, nice. and be able to be able to walk in with some, some, some options there. So that's a cool feature that gets us up to 43 million dollars total raised just for the stadium alone mm-hmm. uh, our goal to meet that financial plan that was approved by the board of trustees back in the summer was for 50 million philanthropic so we're over 86 percent of the way there uh, and i'm very optimistic we'll, we'll not only meet but exceed that and we haven't even obviously gotten to the point where we've named anything inside the stadium and all that kind of stuff so we feel good about it and the more we raise the better uh, the more things more features we'll be able to put into the stadium which is what we're excited about so the actual stadium name, that's T- TBD. Uh, to TBD, yeah. <laughs> what we're hoping to do now is now that we've re- released some, some uh, conceptual renderings, we will now, uh, we have about three or four months to go into a deeper design. They call it developmental design mode, and that's where we'll get uh, deeper in everything that you all have seen today to try to refine that and be able to come out, I'm envisioning during spring, the, g- the week of the spring game, to be able to do a more of a public rollout that will allow us to hopefully put us in a position to start selling the, the naming rights and also the, to put us in a position to to get organized to sell uh, you know suites and, and low seats and uh, club seats and all that kind of stuff. No, I did, as I was watching this meeting, take a couple of uh, photos on my phone. I'm like, that's important. I better take a little snapshot <laughs> of that. And, and part of it is kind of the timeline. Uh, fall 2024 groundbreaking? Yeah, that's what, that's what we're, we're looking at. And again, as I said in the trustees' presentation, I just want Bulls Nation to remember the coolest thing to me from the day we even decided where we're going to put this thing is that it's right there on the original practice fields where our team started practicing back in 1995 or whatever, getting ready for the 97 season. And so it's really, it's really kind of touching when you think about the guys that put their blood, sweat and tears in this program at the very beginning 
that's where our forever home is going to be. And so we hope to do something very special with not only our stadium opening when that happens and hopefully maybe even our, our groundbreaking. But, again, another logistical thing you just have to think about, not only do we have to get our plans done to be able to start worrying about construction, Derek, but, you know, we've got the intramural fields that are already there now. So the, the university is working already to build more of them for them as to replace them. Okay. So that should be done by this summer. So we want to make sure we don't take a, take over all the stuff for the students. And then also we've got our – as you know, our grounds crew has a major facility right here where the stadium starts up too, so we, we've got a plan to get them moved this summer as well. So once those two are kind of there and we get a few more plans done, then we can start worrying about the groundbreaking. Awesome. Well, I figured I'd get a response or two when I put out on my X page at Derek Sharp uh, if there's any specific questions. And, of course, everyone realizing that we can't answer every single question it's, on this podcast. It's a new feature to Bull Speed Ahead to be able to have uh, yes. Derek's mailbag. It's yes. good. So we'll, we'll keep this as an added Michael, feature. Michael's mailbag <laughs> sounds better. Uh, Nancy Caro, who's a big fan, says thank you for the great work you put into this and everyone that's put in the work. Bulls Nation is so happy. And next que- actual question, uh, will the IPF be used for pregame tailgates? I guess the IPF is something that could come into play. Yeah, we think it will. Um, you know, the first thing we got to do is make sure our, our priority, honestly, will be to make sure that Coach Golish has everything he needs for recruiting uh, prospects at that time and what he wants to happen. But we think we're building enough into the TGH Center for Athletic Excellence that will kind of be their, their showcase that they can hang out. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, yeah, we anticipate utilizing – we're definitely going to utilize it in some capacity for, for donors or some sort of hospitality area. So we're going to put it to good use. Maybe I've been thinking it could be a good situation for post-game too because obviously let traffic kind of clear out. At least you have an ability sure. to kind of hang and be with friends, watch other games and that kind of stuff. So to be determined, but, yes, it will be used in some capacity. I think that's the cool thing, to Nancy's point. There's going to be – Buildings on this campus, all over the campus, they're going to be used on game days that are not being used that way now. I think every college building on here, you know, every school should basically be having their own tailgate events, uh, you know, to, to bring people back to campus. That's what this stadium does and gives people a chance to re-engage. This is uh, one that was more than one person, so I'll just say it in one word, and you can say TBT on this as well, but parking parking yeah well uh you know again there are more than based on basic traffic studies there are enough parking spots already available for the 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 capacity of this this stadium as i mentioned today we're adding we're adding another 200 that are going uh you know right next to the tgh center which doesn't solve a lot of problems but it it does it does create uh, some opportunity for some of our highest donors uh and then again we we uh we will utilize all existing parking on campus we the university owns a lot of land that you might have seen that's been recently cleared out to the south of, uh, of Fowler that is, is areas that, that general parking can take place on. And Good. and as we all know, there's there's some ongoing development uh, plans in the early stages for the the CLAW, uh, and we'll see what that might, might be able to do as well. And then long term, I know the campus is always looking at ways to potentially build more you know, garages or other things for parking that may or may not be here by 27, so we'll just have to see. But uh, we feel uh, it's going to take a lot of coordination and it's going to take a lot of planning, but, uh, but yes, we, we, we will continue to evaluate the uh, parking situation. I would not worry about that. Real quick side note, I uh, was with my wife in Dunedin this weekend, went to a concert at the New Coachman Park, and we're oh. like, oh, parking's going to be – Parking was easy. <laughs> All you, you might How was think it? That's the sound? That it was, been to the it sound? was yeah. so beautiful. It's got to be it a great place. It was phenomenal, much less the concert with Black Keys. Which, awesome. Now moving back on to the questions. Uh, a lot of people that are season ticket members uh, wanted to know if you know if and when they start to get sort of exclusive and first opportunities. Yeah, uh, we, st- we still have to work on kind of the priority order for people to kind of get a, a feel for what they'll uh, – 
you know, what, what access to, they'll have. But as I've said before, yeah, without question, our, our donors and our season ticket members are going to be the first ones that uh, will be able to uh, to buy the, the, the seating. So, yeah, those that have been with us are going to have the, be, be – uh, coordinated with as to when they'll have their chance of selection and if you're not a season ticket holder member I'm, I'm genuinely encourage you to do so over these uh, sooner than later because uh, the more uh, the more the longer loyalty you've had the, the more you'll be able to have better choice of, of the options but we look forward to it and again and and really the reality of the stadium is guys look it's a 35,000 seat stadium we currently we, we, we averaged nearly uh, just over 30 this year <laughs> so so when you think about you know Students that typically have somewhere between five and ten thousand show up. You think about holding four thousand for the visiting team. Uh, we're immediately down to the mid twenties already. Uh, not that much, not as much inventory as you would think. And right. We want people to pack that place every night. So get behind it now. Start planning. And become a Bulls uh, season ticket holder even for these last couple seasons at Ray J. I think that's probably going to happen after you mention it. This is something I wouldn't have thought about. Bull disclosure says. Uh, a rough uh, ratio of chairs to bleachers. Yeah, good question. That is a good. We're still, we honestly are still working on that. We know uh, certainly those lower rungs uh, and, and some of the premium areas will all be chair back, and and uh, some could be uh, bench in certain areas of it, and some could have bench with back. So we think there could be a still a good variety, but we uh, it all depends on the budget really. Okay, and uh, just in general, is there a possibility if there's say restaurants and bars and or bars inside the facility, would they be something that you could go to during the week? And also, from a student's perspective, could you use the stadium during the week to run the stairs, that kind of thing? Yeah, we haven't got that far <laughs> on the running of the stairs. Yeah. But, uh, Sounds like more of a me question. It's a good question. But, the, um, you know, we expect, and we haven't got all the details worked out in terms of who would manage the company and all that stuff yet, but the uh, uh, a club area or the club that would be in there would be something that's available to faculty and staff and, and alums that buy memberships that, that really could, if not every day, at least most days, it's going to be open for nice different things. And we'll, we'll look into that. So that'll be a fun thing that can come. We think the team store that we'll build on the on that East Plaza will be something that's open every day. Sure. Uh, that'll incre- increase and improve our you know sales from merchandise standpoint. So we're excited about it. So a little early to tell, but it is our intent to have that club that's kind of open, uh, is, you know, similar to like a downtown club is right right now. And then last thing uh, before we move on, there's a bowl game to talk about, and there's more podcasts that we can throw out some other questions on the actual uh, future stadium. But um, is there room for statues? Some say that Leroy Selman kind of has to have one. Some Someone suggested Will Weatherford needs to get him a statue as well. Hey. <laughs> His name was not Will Weatherford. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's funny. Uh, we, we have not thought about the statue situation yet. <laughs> Obviously, everybody knows uh, – my affinity and uh, for Mr. Selman and everybody knows uh, what he's done for this university. So uh, hmm. we've honored him before. And he, obviously, the namesake of the building we're sitting in right now, but we'll just have to see what else goes on there. But, uh, yeah, well, all good ideas. What we do think that we didn't talk about earlier in the press conference is that coming in off of USF Federal Credit Union Champions Way, we we really do hope to put, a, a you know, something that we haven't determined yet, some sort of large-scale bull or some sort of you know really incredible feature that when you're kind of walking in when the majority of the fans are walking in they're going to kind of see this iconic uh, <laughs> structure so whether it's a statue as they say or something that's that we can do cool with a bull that's kind of some things we'll look at in the developmental design phase all right so that's the uh, future and bull speed ahead to the next football game as we found out over the weekend after a little bit of a delay in finding out the opponent, we all knew it was going to be a, an ACC opponent, and we found out the Bulls are going to continue their season in Boca Raton at the Boca Raton Bowl on December the 21st. And I know we've 
discuss, you know, the last win against Charlotte already and the the accomplishment itself, but still to actually go through that process must have been pretty cool. Yeah, glad to be back in the bowl business. It's important, <laughs> as Coach Cole has said, important for our team, for for our fans, uh, great for our development, be able to practice, and, and it gives an extra, you know, point of momentum to prove to these recruits as he's out there uh, today hitting, I think, six different cities today just uh, cranking it out. So uh, the future is really bright, and this bowl is a, a big step in the direction. But you're right, when we talked last, we, we knew there could be any number of five or six games we thought were even possible. That continued to be possible through a lot of the week, but then it kind of started to whittle down. And it was interesting because by the time we got to Saturday, it was really that uh, I felt that if Tulane had beaten uh, SMU, it looked like we were going to go to the military bowl. And uh, and probably to play Syracuse, <laughs> and then as the those games unfolded, it was kind of like, well, then we're probably going to go to the Boca Bowl, and it looked like it was going to be a Sun Belt opponent if we went down there. Okay. Uh, and then as the then as SMU played well and, and won that game against Tulane to win the championship, then it was like, well, geez, they played so well, and even though Liberty was undefeated, is it feasible to think that SMU could could leapfrog? Uh, Liberty in the final rankings, and that was a obviously was a close. They were pretty right one one in front of the other, so it really did come down to it because it was still probably true that had SMU still been the highest ranked Group of Five champion, they would have then gone on to the New Year's Six, replacing Tulane in the whole scenario. And then Tulane would have gone to to uh, uh, Fenway. So it was kind of it was kind of a situation. New York Six, Fenway, and and military was all kind of working out, and we were going to go to military because Fenway was going to take the loser of the championship game or the the winner if the team went up to the to the near six, so it was when we so when we lost, we was like, okay, cool, we're still going to Boca and that'll be great. Uh, but then we were like, well, still maybe we still get in the military and we're going to play Syracuse. <laughs> but then Liberty got the nod that dropped SM, SMU to go to Fenway and that put Tulane in the in the military. Wow! And then we were then I waited for my call, and, <laughs> and, and the conference called and said, well, you're, you're going to Boca as we told you. But now you're no longer playing a Sunbelt team. You're playing Syracuse. And I said, well, okay, we're playing. <laughs> so it is cool. I mean, we're, we're excited. We, you know, we played 10 games in our history against Syracuse, and we were both members of the Big East, and we've got an 8-2 record against them. Obviously, a chance to play an ACC team in a, in a bowl is a really, really great step. So, And I think you know, they've got a good alumni base from uh, New York down in, down in the Boca area as well. So it should be a great crowd and good for our fans to be able to get to and national television appearance on ESPN. So a lot of great things. Our guys get a chance to go somewhere, and then they'll be able to go see their family for Christmas. And it would be a whole different podcast, which we're not doing here, on how it ended up being Syracuse because <laughs> a couple teams that were supposed to be in New Year's Six, namely FSU yeah. and or Louisville, ended up not becoming available for the ACC and all sort of filtered out from there. That's right. <laughs> but, well, that's another saga. Um, the actual uh, chance to get tickets, obviously, I think people need to know that to me, anyway, it would be best to go through the, the USF methods. Yeah, right? it would, ideally. I mean, the good thing, uh, you know, the Boca Bowls, uh, as it relates to bowl game ticket prices, are very, very reasonable, uh, more in line with kind of some of the games we even play at home. So uh, really would encourage fans to, that want to make the trip to Boca, buy them through our ticket office. Our season ticket holders and all our mailing list have all been sent to links. It's on our website. Uh, I think we're basically taking orders through Friday, and then we can kind of assign them based on the priority that people have in our system, based okay. on the, their season ticket holders and that sort of thing. We certainly want to salute those that are the most loyal. But it does help us out. Here's why it helps us out. Number one, it helps us out financially now because we have obligations to pay for the tickets anyway, so the more our fans buy through us instead of Ticketmaster helps us financially. We'd appreciate that. What it also helps, when I was when I was in there lobbying for us to go to bowls that Coach wanted to go to, it was very helpful for me to be able to say, hey, look, 
We led. Yes, I know we were six and six, but we led the league in attendance. <laughs> we had the most viewed game of any American-owned broadcast with our five million plus against Alabama, uh, and and then be able to say in our last four bowl games we had sold forty-three hundred tickets on average directly because of our two games to Birmingham and our game here at Casparillo. That's kind of what we averaged. So mm-hmm. if we can keep showing a good track record, it really does help arm me uh, to to encourage uh, the Bulls to, to, to take us. They, when it comes, if they, if they have any choice in the matter, of course they're going to want who's going to bring the most people and who's going to be most vi- viewed. <laughs> and the good news is in, in our league we, we were at the tops of that, and that kind of helped us leapfrog some others that were probably of the same record awesome. or had better records. So go go USFBulls.com. Is go USFBulls.com. Check right. out the ticket link, and there's information on bowl seating right there. We'd appreciate it and can't wait to see everybody down in Boca. I like how the article on the website points out that women's basketball is going to be playing 30 minutes away. Hey, that's a special thing. That really worked out well yeah. because cause we play on Thursday night at 8 o'clock in the Boca Bowl. So on uh, Wednesday night of that week, the 20th, we play IUPUI at like 115 or so right. in West Palm. Yep. It's only about 30 minutes from from our the stadium we're playing in. And then the next day we play Baylor in women's basketball at 330. Yeah. And so there's still sufficient time to come come on down. Coach Fernandez told me he's coming right after the game's over as well. So that's pretty cool to be able it's to really catch cool. catch two women's basketball games down in West Palm if you're going to stay with us the the whole time. So come on down and, and catch catch the Bulls all over the place. And quick note on uh, women's basketball: they're at home this Sunday. It's Dog Adoption Awareness Day. I know that's near and dear to Jose and Tanya, but that's going to be against Gardner Webb. You mentioned Baylor as an opponent. Within a five-game span, they are playing now three teams in the top ten. Uh, left off with Texas, they are now fifth. Wow. NC State comes here next Saturday. They are now third. And Baylor just jumped into the top ten. So, again, the hey, schedule these are good is opportunities. just crazy. These are good opportunities And you can see up. them and a bowl game on the same day if you so choose. And Gardner-Webb, I don't know if we'll have to check if the – if the AD's coming, got Andrew Goodrich coming That's back right. to the mix here. So he better when come. I saw when I saw him in the summer, he was going to try to make it. So we'll have to check. That's right. But, but for those that don't know, I'm talking about our former associate AD that uh, was great to us. He's uh, gone. He went up to Syracuse for a number of years, and now he's the AD at Gardner Webb. That's the uh, Sunday opponent, and then next Saturday, the 16th, is NC State. As we start to wrap it up, definitely want to mention I will be in West Palm by the way, with women's basketball, calling those games. And I, I certainly wanted to, if I could, couldn't do it last week because we were with women's basketball, could not make the trip to Queens, New York with volleyball. But now that they have advanced to the quarterfinals, I'm sorry, the great eight of the NIVC, I can't wait to go to Statesboro, Georgia, and broadcast that match. It's on Thursday. But we talked about how dramatic the win was against Rice and what it accomplished for them. Uh, I was keeping an eye on that St. John's result. It yeah. was amazing to come back from down 2 nothing, to come back from down two match points against on, at St. John's and to win 16-14 in the fifth set. It was Just awesome. add another top top of the list accomplishment. It really was. I mean, we were excited to get into the tournament. I was already big enough to win a division title. Last when we made the tournament five years ago, we I mean, we lost in the first round, so now to progress that we won two already. We win this one, uh, basically going to the final four of the NIVC. It's really cool. And, uh, you know, we don't know what the committee would, would, would suggest, but there's a chance we would host uh, those final four and championship game match uh, wow. if, if the Bulls can advance. So we'll keep keep your eyes open for that if we are able to advance another game. All right. Don't look ahead too far, but uh, it, hopefully, knock on wood, they get a win on Thursday night in Statesboro, Georgia at Georgia Southern. And I'd be remiss if not saying not only the, the, the pride we have in our own USF volleyball program, but but if, as they continue to play in this, we all can't forget that the national championships are coming here. So those are going to be, that field is going to be determined here really soon as they narrow down their final four. And and again, so we've got a lot of staff in this building working really hard on 
on that as we serve as the host institution for uh, the NCAA championships, which is a sold-out event, national television, just another great opportunity to showcase Tampa Bay, USF, and host four obviously really, really good volleyball teams. That's right there in the front of my mind. I was actually flipping around. Uh, ESPN Plus is great. And I uh, found out, that saw that Georgia Tech and Florida were going to a fifth set. Michelle yeah, Collier, yeah. the uh, former Hall of Famer at USF, obviously. Uh, and Georgia Tech beat Florida in five sets, so they're still alive to come back to Ameline Arena. So, yeah, a ton going on. So <laughs> what's your agenda like? Is that, I mean, National Signing Day, is that happening too? I mean, <laughs> there's so much. Yeah, that's something that is a good, is an interesting point to put on it because all of our football staff is having a, is juggling. That's right. Not only getting ready for a bowl game, but uh, – you know, nonstop recruiting and, and figuring it all out. So they'll have official – we had an official visit last weekend. They'll have official visits this weekend. They'll have official visits next weekend. And then we'll head down to – the team will head down to Boca there on the 17th. So that will be the, where the team will be. And then signing day itself uh, being the day – what, the day before the game. Uh, oh, wow. We'll basically be op- making those final phone calls and getting those emails and texts there at our bowl headquarters. So, uh, you know, all, bowl, all teams have to do that if they're in the bowl to some extent. But it's – it's That's different true. and something our guys have to adjust to. And I, I'm guessing that Mr. Golish is handling it okay. Oh, well, Mr. Golish uh, just goes nonstop. So he's handling it great. But he's, uh, as you saw today, he was, he was on, this, on his jet flying to the next place to go find our next bull when he was sharing his excitement about the announcement today. He so, wasn't actually flying the jet, was he? No, he was not he flying. He looked like he could have been. He was riding in it. He okay, good, it. good, But good. Uh, he's nonstop. All of our guys are nonstop. And obviously a lot of people across the country have gotten into the – portal that all of our recruiting and player personnel are, are evaluating and see if there's any folks that make sense for us there too wow well that's a lot to oversee and we really appreciate all the time you gave us here on the podcast any last words to the fans who are just so pumped up right now and that's by the way been the overwhelming reaction no just a, just a, a great bit of gratitude and, and thanks and hope i hope they're excited i'm glad they're excited and, and hey just look at what's happened in the last couple of days to get into a bowl game to to confirm so many great things on on the on the stadium status and to kind of see a vision conceptually of what it's going to look like and how it's all coming together to create a, a you know great future for our bulls is really exciting so let's go uh, let's go show well down in boca have a great crowd and uh, kind of show the nation that uh, we're on the we're on the rise in, in many ways so go bulls